This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and streaming and audio on AMIplus.ca. I'm Alex Smythe. Several stories made headlines this weekend, including the deaths of five people in Manitoba. Michelle McQuaig is the weekend news editor for the Canadian press, and she's here to help share the latest. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Alex. So, Michelle, obviously, let's let's start with this uh, situation in Manitoba. This was sure. rapidly evolving uh, yesterday. It's a small town in Manitoba, south of Winnipeg. What do we know so far about the situation? Yeah, if you'll bear with me, I think the easiest way to unpack what happened is to just quickly run through the chronology as it was presented to us by the police yesterday. And I'll just say right off the top that the account I will now present will raise a lot of questions, and I don't have answers for them. Those are what we're hoping to gain in the days to come. Um, But what we were told by Manitoba RCMP yesterday is that there were three separate scenes involved. And the first one they came across was when they got a report of a a, a purported hit and run around 7.30 in the morning, not too far from Carmen, Manitoba. That's the small town you mentioned. At that point, police say they found the body of, of a woman in the ditch near a highway. Fast forward about two and a half hours and move about 70 kilometers north uh, to a municipality called Cartier. And the police get a call, the RCMP up there get a call to say that there's a car on fire. While the officers were en route, we're told a witness pulled three children from outside of the, from inside this burning car. When police got there, unfortunately, though, the children were identified uh, or were declared dead. And at that point, the cops also took a suspect into custody. All we know about him at this point is that it's a 29-year-old man. Uh, Further investigation, we don't have a sense of timeline at that point. That's all the police were saying, but presumably perhaps after some discussion with the suspect or whatnot, they went back to Carmen and found the body of another woman inside a house. All we know about everything at this point, we don't have any information on the ages of the people involved, their relationship to one another, but the police did come out and say that these incidents are all connected and that the, uh, the the person currently in custody did know all those who died. Mm-hmm. And so where does the investigation go from here? Because it's so early in, in the case then. It is extremely early. Yeah, the, the, the news conference that they held yesterday was in late afternoon. And as we mentioned, all of this was transpiring in the morning and early afternoon. So we didn't, there was a lot of information that we did not have. We're absolutely waiting for information now on, on the identities of those involved. Well, we don't even have a sense of whether or not the suspect in custody has been, uh, has had the charges laid against them yet. Uh, so that's one thing we're going to be watching for with interest, and that will dictate, too, where, uh, where the investigation goes from here, what those charges may be. Uh, but I'm certain that police are now going to be combing these multiple scenes uh, and, and just trying to do as much as they can to piece together what sounds like a fairly complex chronology and set of circumstances. Absolutely. So we'll leave this uh, story here for now, and I'm sure when there are updates, uh, you'll be able to share more details or myself in in other uh, news updates along the week. Yes, and uh, if those who want to follow along in real time, my colleague Brittany Hobson will be covering this today, so uh, give her her socials a watch. 
Absolutely. And so there was another kind of, um, I guess, compounding story that was uh, uh, being kind of uh, followed by the Canadian press over the weekend. And this has to do with the aftermath of the winter storm that uh, blasted the region last week. So oh, this boy. included, you know, a uh, situation in, in, in Cape Breton. And uh, how has the snow and the ice impacted that area? Oh boy, it is still ongoing. And right off the top, I'll just say that unfortunately, Nova Scotia is bracing for still more snow. There's uh, mm. weather warnings in place for the province and a couple of 20 to 30 more centimeters on the way in the next day or two, which is not great news for places like Cape Breton that already got about 150 centimeters in last weekend's dump, a meter and a half of the stuff, which is just bonkers. Um, the aftermath continues in different ways. The most high profile one recently, uh, fortunately, could have been a whole lot worse than it was, but still plenty scary when there was an explosion at a senior's home in Sydney. Um, one person was injured and taken to hospital in fairly serious condition. But fortunately, there were no fatalities. And the reason that this explosion is being blamed on the weather is because uh, it's now been identified that the cause was snow sliding off the roof and hitting some kind of ignition source on the way down. And this one caused an explosion. Uh, my colleague Michael Tutton spoke to officials on the weekend, and apparently a call like that one was the fourth that the Cape Breton Fire Department had received in, in, in just a couple of days. It was the only one that actually led to a fire. Clearly, the risk is is there and is real, and it's one that's very much top of mind for Cape Breton residents right now. Um, they're also focusing just some on, on getting snow cleared off roofs because this, of course, poses a major infrastructure stress on on, on buildings mm -hmm. that might not be equipped for this sort of thing. Well, absolutely. I mean, that amount of weight and mass and then with the warming temperatures. And then, as you mentioned mm. uh, before, there's a, they're expecting more uh, snow this week in the region. So the more you can clear now, the better prepared you are during the week. Were there, absolutely. Were there the any, melting? The uh, melting of the mass is important, too, for, for yes. both roof and street clearance, because it does make the snow heavier and more difficult to move. And of course, more likely to harden into ice if the temperature drops quickly. And uh, you mentioned there was uh, one injury in this blast. What, what about the other um, kind of uh, people affected? How are, are they uh, being assisted during this time? Yeah, uh, they, they had to find temporary accommodations for several of them. Um, everyone had to be evacuated from the home. Some went to families. Uh, some have been rehoused elsewhere for the moment. Uh, it, it's a bit of a production because there were, uh, I'd say, close to 90 or 100 people that needed to be relocated mm. because of this. Uh, another story that the CPC, uh, uh, sorry, uh, CP has been uh, um, uh, kind of following it. It's just the impact that uh, the aftermath has had on folks with disabilities. So, what were the yeah. residents that they spoke to? Like, what were they saying as some of the key issues as the aftermath of the storm came through? Well, they were outlining concerns that I'm sure are familiar to every one of us, either on the air right now or in the audience today, uh, talking about how how snow clearance practices make it almost impossible for for navigation. Was the main focus of yesterday's story. That's who my colleague Lindsay Armstrong was able to speak to, a guide dog user and and a, and a wheelchair user, both of whom were raising different issues about the, the snow clearance and the mobility challenges that it poses. Uh, so whether it's the the narrowness of paths that cannot accommodate mobility aids or the the slipperiness of conditions that makes it difficult to walk, the huge, huge snow banks that block out key orientation markers and sound markers, and in the case of the person that Lindsay spoke to yesterday, uh, someone who was also flagging the, the effect that extreme light sensitivity would have for her, mm -hmm. um, just trying to navigate around these huge snowbanks. So again, um, things that probably sound obvious to many of us in this room, but that we know don't always get, uh, don't always come up in, in everyday conversation about these things.
one and, and that's why it's always uh, refreshing when you do see uh you know uh, that there are stories being put out there the on uh, a national scale it's like hey these are the impacts of uh folks with disabilities were they're still involved in these situations as well they need help and support it's not just oh well we can't clear the snow because it's unfortunate you have to walk around it or walk on top no no there's actual accessibility issues that you physically cannot get through these conditions and so it's oh to sure more action taken to to address it so it, yeah. it's always uh, you know positive to hear and see that people talked about the realities that we've all confronted i'm sure of, of being stuck at home for days at a time after mm -hmm. something like this because you just can't get out uh again it, it's one of those things that falls by the wayside but when my colleague i was thinking of assigning it anyway but when my colleague pitched it all by herself uh, she found a very receptive editor yesterday <laughs> so <laughs> Happy to get that one out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Michelle, thank you for this. And uh, we'll chat with you on Friday as part of the news panel then. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Alex. Okay, that was Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor with the Canadian Press. Coming up after the break, Arc is a new web browser for Mac and iOS that allows users to have accessible customization. Marco Pasqua tells you all about it. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.